0: Welcome to Arizona Boomer Radio with the Boomer and the Babe. Arizona Boomer Radio gives voice to 1.4 million boomers throughout the Grand Canyon State and beyond. Each show has a different guest and a different topic. We hope you enjoy the relaxed, conversational style of the show. Nothing fancy, just boomers sitting around the table talking about stuff. Now here are the hosts of the show, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. From the studio in Sun City, Arizona Boomer Radio presents Wealth DNA with Ron, the Ronald Naraki. Wealth DNA gives you insights and methods for increasing your net worth. Ron's experience dealing with local and international markets give him insights that can be valuable to any investor. Now, here is the host of the show, Ron Naraki.
1: Hello, welcome to the WealthDNA Radio Show, and I'm honored that you're joining us today. I'm particularly happy if you're joining us from Europe. Why you ask? At the end of the last show and our announcements we sent out in the last few days, I should have reminded our European listeners that due to Europeans changing their clocks this past weekend, they need to remember to tune into the show an hour earlier. October 2012 will turn out to be the most confusing month ever for our listeners. First, we changed our show time from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Arizona time. Secondly, we accidentally scheduled for the third and fifth Mondays rather than the second and fourth. And thirdly, we have, of course, the biannual clock changing confusion, which I forgot to remind our European friends about. Now, many people wonder why Arizona and Hawaii don't change their clocks during the summer. Now, I won't speak for Hawaiians, but I know the folks in Arizona would not want another hour of sunshine in the summer. We get plenty of sun and plenty of hot weather, weather already. Now, while we're on this topic, let me just remind our Americans and others who will be changing their clocks in the next week, you should plan to tune in one hour earlier for our next show on November 12th. I'll remind you with the end again. Our topic today is Investing in Managed Futures, and we'll have a special guest, Tom Forman, who's an expert on this topic. He'll be joining us very shortly. I'd also like to mention we will be doing this show in our unique multimedia format you've never seen it elsewhere and we have a copy of the charts Tom will refer to available to you now you can either click on the link on the invitation that was uh, sent to you or in the announcement to the show which is above the uh, above the chat window or to the right of the picture if you will you can use that link or let me just send you one uh, through the chat window. with all this technology we have a lot of ways to get you that link if you're listening through the archives then you will find that link in the announcement, and you'll want to use that. So uh, anyway, those charts will be available to you during the show. So I'm sending that link ahead of time if you want to go ahead and uh, bring that up in a separate browser window. So this way you'll have a browser window for the radio show and another one for the charts. Today is October 29th, 2012. It's 9.03 a.m. in Phoenix, Arizona, and it's 5.03 p.m. in continental Europe. You're listening to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. This show airs every second and fourth Monday at 9 a.m. in Arizona. I certainly hope you can join us each time we air, but if you miss a show, you can hear it on the archives. Just go to www.wealthdna.us, where we list each of the shows, both upcoming and archived. Now, hopefully you joined us for our show in September on hedging, when we talked about the use of options and futures for hedging. That would be very useful background for today's show. So if you missed that earlier show, that was in September of this year, Uh, I'd suggest you go back to our archives and re-listen to that show sometime in the near future. Now, the U.S. equity markets, after a down week, you might be wondering how they're doing today. Well, if you didn't already know, they are closed due to the uh, Hurricane Sandy coming along the coast and uh, knocking power out and a number of other evil things uh, near New York City. And they decided it would just be too dangerous for too many of the people that uh, work in the market to keep it in uh, in sync so they decided to close now Asia was down a little bit this uh, past trading session Europe is down still not closed but uh, down a little bit And the uh, Brazil market has been down pretty dramatically. Now it's down about three-quarters of a percent, but it was much more. Now, part of the reason I mention this, because our focus on this show isn't about uh, what's happening today, it's talking about the fundamentals. But one of the reasons is I'd like to plant a question in your minds for this show. You should be thinking about, as we talk about managed futures, how do they perform as the stock market is going down or the stock market is going up keep that question in mind how do managed futures perform depending on the stock market and i think that's a good lead in to our topic today investing in managed futures let's bring on our special guest tom foreman with west pan associates let's give him a warm radio welcome welcome tom
2: good
1: morning morning, Tom, and uh, we do thank you for taking time to meet with us today and uh, sharing your knowledge about Managed Futures. Now, I've gotten to know you over the last five years, but many of our listeners don't know you, so please start by sharing a little bit about yourself, and given you have an accent a little different than the average Arizonan, that doesn't sound like you're from Australia either. Why don't you start where you grew up and how you got involved in Managed Futures?
2: Okay, I grew up in western Panama, Oklahoma, with an agriculture background, and I actually started hedging cattle and grain in the early 70s with futures. Uh, You soon see there's opportunities for speculating, and uh, so I traded traded myself for 20 years. Managed futures were actually in their infancy in the early 80s. I soon realized this is why the future, in 1990, when my son and I started our brokerage business, we looked for a clearing firm that shared our vision. We're both we were both Charter IBs I think, introducing brokers with Vision Financial Markets in New York. We've grown in the industry as to into an industry leader of managed futures.
1: Interesting. Okay, so Vision Financial Markets was the company you started out with. Now, by the way, Tom, we're getting a little bit of background noise. I don't know if you've got something running on your your, your computer there or, or television in, your, in the background of your office or, or whatever else, but we're getting quite a bit of background noise that's kind of uh, making your voice sound a little bit uh, fainter. So I don't Actually, know if you, you might be. Actually, I'm But
2: I don't have anything here.
1: Nothing going on there. Okay, so we're we're picking up some some. Um, some noise. So I don't know exactly why. Maybe it's just through the uh through the telephone or outdoor noise or whatever the heck it is. But nonetheless, let's let's hopefully. Uh so I B use that term. That's introducing what did you say it was introducing broker?
2: yes. Correct.
1: Introducing broker. Okay, well, we'll come back to that term in a little while. Now, the key question that you need to answer for our listeners, what are managed futures? Now, does it require a fortune teller or reading tea leaves if we're trying to manage our future?
2: No, the thing to remember most people confuse it with investing in in commodities like their
3: senior
1: economy was. Oh, you know where I'm, I'm picking up the noise from? Uh, Tom, do you have possibly the radio show um, on your internet as well? In which case, you have to turn that on mute. That could be causing it because I'm picking up a, a, a definite feedback behind. It.
3: Obama
1: and sort of his yeah. Oh no, it sounds like a, a news station going on. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's in the uh, in the studio as well, but it's sounding like uh, a news station. At the same time. But, okay, back to the key question. Uh, what is What are managed futures?
0: Oh, no, no, no.
1: Tom? Tom, Tom, don't tell me we lost you. I'm hearing the background noise. I'm not hearing Tom. This is not good. Tom? Let me see if I can... Uh, uh, get him another route here. My apologies, but uh, for whatever reason, we're picking up multiple signals, and him the least. He may need to call back in. Let me, let me send him a quick message, Tom. I'm hearing a lot of static, but I'm not catch- catching your voice, Tom. Are you on? Are you, is your own phone on mute, possibly, as opposed to the um, the internet station? but I am just hearing a lot of static. And Ron, Tom's, voice. Tom's
0: call is dropped. We're waiting for him to come back online.
1: Okay, appreciate that, Pete. Hey, do you know what that background noise is? I'm, I'm picking I up. Have,
0: I have no idea. I, I don't hear it all on my end.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm I'm just suspecting that it may have to do with the uh, with the storm and that there are some news things that are conflicting with the um, phone lines, even though we're on we're a you know, high-quality phone line. I think there is some interference today for the first time ever.
0: It may well be, but um, I don't have – I can see that his call has dropped beyond that. I, I, there's nothing that uh, we can do until he calls back.
1: Okay. All right. And we won't yell at you for running on the wrong music there at the beginning.
3: <laughs>
0: it's early Monday morning after
1: all, right? Um, let me just uh, send him a quick uh, message. I don't want to
2: send him a phone He's call. He's back. He's back. Okay, he came excellent.
0: back. Here he is
2: idea of what happened. My my phone just dropped it. Okay, the,
0: you're you're back you're um, back on Tom.
2: Okay. All
0: right,
1: All appreciate right. it Tom. So anyway, the question we had for you is uh what are managed futures?
2: Basically managed futures is you're investing with an individual trader and who happens to use the futures and options or the commodities market because they provide a lot of flexibility. More flexibility than any other market. You can go long and short, you can enter an exit in milliseconds, there's exchanges all over the world, so there's 24-hour trading, so they can monitor positions. It just provides a lot of opportunities, which allows them to devise a strategy which um, can protect your assets, as opposed to saying, I want to buy, I think grain's going up or gold's going up. You're investing mm-hmm. in the trader that's an expert in those markets.
1: Okay. All right. Now, I think that starts to address the question I planted in our, cedars, uh, our, our, sorry, some, our listeners' minds at the beginning, which was uh, you know, how they perform versus the market. We'll come to that shortly. Now, in a prior show we had on hedging risk, we talked briefly about options and futures, and I mentioned that futures generally are used with commodities and currencies. So, therefore, I tend to confuse in my mind. I think you're just going to have to drill it into me, uh, and I'm sure some of our listeners are going to have that same confusion, especially with the term in there of, of futures uh, i think of somebody managing that commodities of uh, commodities portfolio for me so okay I've, I've invested in a trader but he is now trading commodities and he's he's watching uh the the trends there uh but your definition sounds a little bit different that he is uh managing a little bit differently
2: yeah if you if you look at the fir- if you can see the first chart on the PDF oh, file good there. point.
1: Good point. Yes, it, it, shows, it shows
2: all the all the markets that are available to them, and and as you can see, I mean, you can if it's stock indexes you're on. There's all those stock indexes. There's a fixed income thing, the currencies, the then the traditional commodities, agriculture, crude oil, metals, and then even economic events. And they make them new ones all the time. You can now you can do futures on the weather. What the man, what's the fund manager? It's not fun, but what the manager does is. First, they look for markets that have provide lots of liquidity. They're not going to get into markets where it's not easy to get in and out. So, so that does yeah. eliminate a lot of them. But uh, it's not, you know, you're not. It's not like you can't think like the stock market. Well, I think it's going up, or like gold, I think it's going up. That's right. the manager's job is to decide that.
1: Okay. Plus and he's he watching picks. minute by minute trends. He's not watching the the the, the, the long term fundamentals or what's going to happen in uh, in two years. He's he's looking at where the trends are right now on these uh, these commodities or these uh, these markets, I should
2: call them. Well, not necessarily because that's it. It's just that there's a flexibility to do that. Some of them are very long term oriented. Gotcha. Some of them, the short term is more for protection. It's not for that trading, making the profits, but the short term. They want a, they want a way to protect themselves in, in a quick exit strategy.
1: Now, when we talked, you used an analogy uh, that I thought was a pretty good one. Would you share that with our listeners? That when I when I asked the question you know, what uh, uh, what's the difference between managing a portfolio of, of commodities versus what managing futures is, uh, I used an, al- an analogy. Would you share that with us? Uh,
2: I'm
1: lost. <laughs> oh, you were you were mentioning that, uh, and, and I, I didn't jot down the exact wording, but as I recall, you had said that uh, it was it was instead of uh, investing in a bundle of stocks, it was like invent, investing in a bundle of stocks that Warren Buffett picks. So oh, right. it okay. is that that trader's uh, universe that he's working in, and you're investing in him to 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 handle that particular market.
2: Okay, yeah, thanks for doing my part for me. Okay, okay not a problem. Right. No, I, I just I just
1: remember that was a particularly strong point. To, to kind of differentiate the idea. because I mean, even if I look at your chart, you have in there, for example, they can do, be doing the stock indices, which, which right now are probably pretty slow on the S&P 500, but they're open out there. There are futures going on, and they happen to be down at the moment. Uh, most people don't watch those, uh, but they can be working these various things, and if this trader's empire happens to be, I guess, economic events and, and, and currencies, then, then that's what they're going to be looking at. So I thought that was an interesting, uh, interesting analogy is not just picking stocks randomly, but
2: picking, uh, picking things that Warren
1: Buffett is is, is doing. Any other, any other comment you would add to that, uh, and, and how? That's they right. Well,
2: the main thing is just to remember that it's flexibility. There's, and you can't say one size fits all traders because some of them, in order to get their money management and their profit, they're going to do a whole bundle of markets that are non-correlated. And others actually mm-hmm. become experts in specific things, and they may just trade one thing, like gold or the S&P index. And uh, mm-hmm. But it's basically, you're going with somebody that's got the Warren Buffett analogy. You're going with somebody that's got a history of success rather than you trying to sit and decide which market should I be in and what and when and so forth. Exactly.
1: So in other words, I don't have to disagree with Warren Buffett that uh, technology stocks might be a great investment. As he said, he's not going to invest in them if he doesn't understand them. Uh, So why second guess them if he has a good track record? We're we're, we're counting on Warren Buffett to pick the right stocks. We're not trying to uh, tell him how to run his business. Uh, So I like that analogy. Now, there's obviously a lot more aspects we need to cover about managed futures, which we will very shortly, but is it a regulated investment or is it more like hedge funds which have been kind of self-regulated at best?
2: Yes, it it is. Hedge funds are very lightly regulated, and, and therefore they're restricted to accredited investors, which is essentially a $2 million net worth. Managed futures are highly regulated by the CFTC, the Commodities Futures and Trading Commission, and the NFA, which is the National Futures Association. But because they're tightly regulated with very tight rules and auditing, they're available to the average investor. Okay, so where
1: hedge funds would be restricted to accredited, as you said, the average investor can invest in managed futures because of this regulation. That's that's one of the reasons I wanted to make sure we got that question across. Because so, I mean, clearly, if it's, it's strictly accredited, it's going to limit some of the listeners on uh, being able to invest because of me meaning that definition. But, okay, let me use an analogy. I always find it easier if we use an analogy that, that listeners or, or most people are familiar with. Uh, let me use the analogy of investment funds or, or, as we call them in the U.S., mutual funds. Since we talk about them frequently on the show, and as I said, listeners would be more familiar with them. Now, the people managing those investment funds are simply called fund managers, okay, and and. and What's the analogy, huh? What are the people called that are managing this futures portfolio?
2: They're called Commodity Trading Advisors, or the short acronym is CTAs. It's kind of a misnomer that dates back from when the days that commodities were mostly just grains and meats. That was all mm-hmm. that was, was traded on the futures options exchange. But the CTAs have very tight rules regulating all the information that must be included on their disclosure document. That includes a history of all their trades for the past five years. So as you recall, we're not investing in markets but in the individual person. So the data that this disclosure document and that history gives us is invaluable for analyzing and choosing which ones to invest with.
1: Okay, and so that we also would see that he's been working in particular markets or, or, or whatever, and I'm sure that's in, 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 in whatever perspectives from disclosure document. But uh so if if uh, if this were a historical guy that's been working in the uh, the old markets of, of commodities and uh uh as you said, the, the grains and the meats were available, then he's probably not real uh versed on some of the uh, uh metals or currencies or, or stock indices, and then we just know that's part of his background, that's where he's done, and then you know again let him keep. Doing what he's doing but okay let me uh, make I guess I guess a clear point at least from my point of view is you've got access to that data you know these CTAs you know how they've been doing uh, so I assume that's part of what we count on you for in other words we're not going to try to now go research all of the CTAs out there and figure out what their past record has been and all of that so what designation do you have for helping people uh, in this uh, universe of managing futures
2: we we fall into the same regulatory so Commodity Futures Trading and NFA, and what we're called is an introducing broker. That, that allows us to utilize futures and ops and exchanges all over the world, gives us access to all of these CTAs. The, I, the IB, introducing broker, the IB for short, mm-hmm. is, uh, they have to have a relationship with a clearing firm which has seats on the, ex, on the exchange or else has a deal with to make the trades and exchanges all over the world. It happens at our clearing firm. In our case, is Vision Financial Markets. The clearing firm acts as an accountant. They place and keep track of all the trades and the customer's position and equity. They also keep the segregated funds there. We as the broker never actually touch the funds.
1: Okay, so you basically have stayed with Vision since the beginning. You were an early member of theirs, and you stuck with them, so they they must be doing a pretty good job for you.
2: They've done phenomenal growth, and the reason I have is because we managed futures with the direction we were going as opposed to the old broker-assisted trading, and that was what I want to do, and that's been their vision, and today they are – if not the one of the very, the leaders in the managed futures world, and and happy to be there with them.
1: No pun intended by saying that was their vision, since that's the company name. Now, <laughs> nice. let me remind our listeners here tuned to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host Ron Naraki, and I look forward to you joining us every second, fourth Monday. If you've missed some of the prior shows, like the one on hedging in September, or if you want to re-listen to them, we maintain an archive of shows on uh, www.wealthdna.us. And uh, if you didn't get a reminder, then uh, send me an email, ron at wealthanddna.us, or at the uh, top of the, the screen above uh, the picture and above the radio player, there is a picture of the Boomer and the Babe, and you can click the follow button. You'll get uh, announcements on all of the great shows on the Boomer and the Babe network. Now, reminder, during the radio show, we do welcome you. Yeah, you. You are listeners to Ask Questions. Either start a chat in the area below the radio player, that's usually the easiest way, or call in 917-388-4162. And we are having some phone connection problems. We've, we've both had some difficulties today. And uh, fortunately, our guest uh, has uh, redialed re- back in. His, our guest is Tom Foreman of West Pan Associates. We're discussing investing in managed futures. And by the way, Tom, your phone line is now clear. So evidently there was a problem on that particular phone line going in. Because when uh, when you when you left, I kept curing that static, but then as you got back in, all of that is gone. So they were, we were actually picking up some news uh, broadcast uh, through the same uh, channel. Okay, Tom, I have a lot of questions to better understand managed futures, as, as I mentioned. Uh, and, and before I jump into more of them, um, Uh, Tell us, tell our listeners why they might be interested in investing in managed futures. I mean, the kinds of things people think about is, well, okay, what's in it for me? What are the returns? What's the volatility? What could it do for my overall portfolio? Um, And and, and again, keep in mind, most of our listeners would probably have the more traditional combination of uh, stocks, fixed income, and and real estate in their portfolio. So uh, why add uh, managed futures?
2: Well, the thing to keep in mind is this is it's not a fund, it's an individual account in your name and what you're doing is you're giving the CTA the power of attorney to trade in your account. It's okay. not a pool. Different CTAs fall all over the map with methods, equity protection strategies. So as you can imagine, it's impossible to make any definitive statement just looking at overall average. Mm-hmm. However, taken as a whole, average returns in the last thirty years have roughly doubled the S&P 500 index. And while doing that, drawdowns, in other words, the loss from an equity high in your account before making a new equity high is how you define a drawdown, it's been approximately half that of the stock index. I do have to say here, my regulation is that because I talk about returns, Mm-hmm. But the sure. disclaimer in. There is a substantial risk of loss in commodity futures options. Past performance is not indicative of future results. But if they can look at the chart that's there now, you can see the 30-year, 30-year graph that. It actually Okay, uses, and that would be
1: chart that. on page two, page two of the browser window, and depending on how your browser works, usually at the bottom it has a, a little pop-up screen that shows what page you're on, but uh, number two. Okay, so if if we said, and I, and I think this pretty much concerns, it might actually be a little bit higher, if we said the stocks typically go up by about 9% uh, per year, um long on the long term it looks like you know that would imply 18% it does look like even more than it's been more than double uh for the recent past but um okay all right that 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 really does i think make the point and uh, you know, well, before we jump ahead, uh, I think what's going to be important here, Tom. Somebody's going to look at that chart and say, "Okay, I need to understand this stuff a little bit more. I could have ended up with with much better returns and much less volatility." Uh, why don't we uh, share your uh, website and email address so that uh, listeners can reach you?
2: Okay, I, I think on the next the next page, I've, I've got a picture of my business card, but it's www.westan.com, oh, okay. okay. and uh, it's a little bit of a hard name to remember. When we started our firm in nineteen eighty nine, we were located in the western panhandle of Oklahoma. That's mm-hmm. the, that's where the name West Penn comes from. Okay. My email address is just Tom at westpan.com. dot com. We moved our firm here in oh. Arizona in two thousand three, but we have clients all across the country and internationally.
1: Okay, so in some of so the ones internationally might not know where the western western panhandle of Oklahoma even is.
2: Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs>
1: But since they're investing the in, a commodity in in the U.S., juice, it may not know. <laughs> that's right, and and but more importantly, what 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 we're saying, I, I think it's finally getting drilled in. Is you're helping us find the the right uh, CTA's on not use your buzzword, the uh, commodity trading uh, advisors, and uh, they then manage that portfolio uh, based on you know their performance and their skills. So, quite frankly, where the Western Panhandle of Oklahoma is, we really don't care.
3: Correct. Is that a fair
1: point? <laughs> Okay, now clearly that chart on the second slide got my attention, and and I'm sure it did of other listeners. You mentioned that uh, these managed futures involve professional managers. Are are you one of those professionals managing a person's portfolio?
2: No, I I am not a CTA. I do not manage the trades. Um, I pursued that one time and actually sold a currency system on development to a CTA in the 90s, but never took the final steps Getting your CTA is difficult and expensive, and since your pay is based on performance, you better be pretty confident you can perform. The fact that their compensation, that fact is performance, attracts the best traders in the world, and corollary is it also attracts really big egos. These people, okay, they can so make more money. Having these guys that. on
1: the radio may not be as as, as, as exciting as, as uh, having uh, our, most of our guests on, is what you're telling us.
2: Well, they vary. <laughs> Let me set it up that way. Some of them are back office guys. and Some of them are not.
1: <laughs> All right. So you get anywhere from the math modelers, the kind of guys that would develop a currency system. So it sounds like you have a little bit of uh, geek in you, too, Tom.
2: Uh, a little, yeah, here and there. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, but that's that's a that's a key point I think we gotta make sure our, our listeners are aware of. Uh you're not the CTA. You're not trying to sell them on your particular fund. You are in essence an introducing broker. I'm gonna get that term right eventually, an IB that helps uh the investor find the proper CTAs to, to match their needs. Uh so I think I have that now, is that correct? That's right. Okay. Now, the second thing uh, that uh, came to mind when I saw that chart where the, the, the blue line was far above is that you know why haven't I seen this? Was I you know I, ch- I often see charts in, in the Wall Street Journal and Barrons and you know the Arizona Republic that uh, or even uh, one of our recent guests, Russ Wiles, of course, uh, is is the uh, journalist for the Arizona Republic on personal finance. I haven't seen him put together charts that compare the uh, stock market to managed futures and to bonds. It's usually only stock market and bonds. Uh, why is that?
2: Well, it's it's actually one of the fastest-growing alternative investments of the last six to seven years, but it's still a very small market compared to stocks and bonds. But there's some restrictions regarding net worth and and liquid firms placed on regulators. But uh, So some are not eligible, but most are. But uh, for the most part, I think the reason is that uh, partly because of the misnomer that people think of it as commodities and partly mm-hmm. because... It's not. It's not funds. You have to have an individual account. So therefore, there's a a certain minimum is still required. You know, our our minimum, our lowest CTA, that is ten thousand. You can open accounts for a lot less than that, but truthfully, you don't want to open accounts that you don't think are going to be profitable. And so, the CTA set a minimum, depending on their methods, and they vary. Most of our minimums are in the twenty. So maybe fifty thousand dollar minimum, so that includes a lot of people and the, and some of them are even higher but uh, that's part of the i reason just looked ahead
1: we we actually have a chart on this you you have uh, in the fourth chart you uh, actually have one on managed futures uh, growth, so why don't I just mention that to our listeners to get go ahead and jump ahead to to chart number four uh where you're showing that growth, and i gotta admit since uh it looks like they were uh, pretty much zero back in uh the uh nineteen well you mentioned in the you they got started in the nineteen nineties, so that's that's pretty consistent. So at the late eighties there were none no market, uh and now we're up to uh three hundred twenty billion dollars. So okay, so it's it's still under a trillion, so it would be in the rounding error for the government. But uh that is a pretty impressive growth rate in that uh in that thirty year period. Uh, so
3: a lot of that came right, about so,
2: because excuse me, the uh
1: sure.
2: a institutional investors like the Harvard, Stanford um, endowment funds, and stuff. Started using hedge funds, and so, with some managed mm-hmm. futures some years ago, and were very successful with them. And so when people see that, then they start looking at them closer, and that's where a lot that's where a lot of this growth growth started.
1: You know, you you just reminded me of another topic I've got to add to our radio show time sometime, which is uh, kind of an overview of alternative investments. Uh, because I am aware that their their performance tends to be very very good, and that's part of the reason. I mean, you know, if you look at your performance chart, there it was back on, on slide uh, two, as I recall, that uh, you know it's, it's just a huge difference. So I would think that those people that are able to use this, it makes sense to uh, to take a look at it. Uh, but it's so, you know, to me, when I see this growth and I see that performance, it sounds like basically the uh, managed futures industry doesn't have the same clout. Uh, in 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 and PR, I guess, uh, and lobbying that uh, Wall Street or the City of London, Bourse or or the Frankfurt Stock Exchange uh, would have. So is that a, is that a fair comment?
2: Uh, yes, it is. But uh, it, but it also is the part that it's it's not for everybody. I mean, it does take a little bit of money to get involved, and so mm-hmm. there's there's a lot less money spent on advertising and so forth, but to, uh, I might bring up, if you look at the chart if you if you look at that mm-hmm. where the stock market has the big downs, the big big bear markets that um
3: mm-hmm.
2: and the managed futures have continued to go up, that's basically where we're beating it if you if you compare the during the up periods during the bull markets we're we're just equaling the stock market. It's just that we're able to miss the down part. So in the end, long run, you end up with twice as much money.
1: Okay. You actually have a more detailed slide on that, as as I recall. You actually, uh, besides the one on chart, the chart number two, so on chart five, I'll get my numbers right here, uh, you actually show that. You know, your your chart is titled uh, Return uh, During Critical Events, January through. through." Uh, uh, so why don't you take us through that slide a little bit? But this does accent it a little bit more. Obviously, you're highlighting the places where something's going on, neither the stock market or the bond. Okay, Black Monday. There was a there was a pretty dramatic one we've talked about on this show. Uh, so why don't you walk us through the slide a little bit?
2: Well, that's basically it. It's just showing those periods whenever there was a big event that affected the stock market. When the the Gulf War, the long term capital management in 1998 took a big hiccup, and then of course the big one was the the whole start of them. The, let's see. Dot-com crash. back in 2000, 2000, yeah. And then, but, yeah, um, the biggest one actually uh, is interesting. Good contrast here. Dealing, the one we're still dealing with. But that's... Uh, so if you have... Basically, the bottom line is if you've got some managed futures in your portfolio, you can cushion a lot of this. I'm not saying you go with it completely, but... Uh, you can definitely
1: cushion some of it. Now, the other thing this chart kind of brings out is it appears for the early years, let me call it that because it was still in its infancy, uh, the returns were better than the stock market, but it looks like there's been more and more divergence over time, and I guess part of it because of the two major drops in the stock market. But uh, it almost seems like these uh, CTAs are getting even better at what they're doing, with, uh, I don't know, maybe it's more money in their portfolio, too. It's probably a lot easier to, to manage things when you've got more flexibility.
2: Absolutely, it is. And uh, the um, the thing is, the the real reason this done is because most CTAs are pursuing what's called an absolute return strategy. And the definition of that is they aim to produce returns in both up and down markets, independent traditional benchmarks. And they're able to do that because they have a variety of tools at their at their disposal with the, with these commodity markets. They got you know options, other derivatives, ability to short the market, instant liquidity. Because of this flexibility, each CTA can define his own objectives. Whether it's maximum profit with higher risk or steady performance with lower drawdowns, most of them have gone for the absolute returns or the lower drawdowns recently as you say back in the early period it wasn't that way. We had CTAs when we first started in the nineties it had gone three or four years with three hundred percent returns, but you know, it was phenomenal. But then what they were doing was they got a big a big bull market in the grain markets and they were leveraged up. They made money hand over fist, but when it ended they lost a hand over fist
1: hmm Okay. Can't keep right. so, like so it works for that. a while if if you take that kind of uh, approach, much like the stock market.
2: Right. Well, it works with anything. You know, it's just you, you can't. You gotta you gotta change. You either gotta be nimble and change your strategy, or else your strategy's got to be looking for not quite so high returns, but to, but protection, and that's what they're looking for in the absolute returns. They're always looking to not go backwards. And when you say they've gotten better, that's exactly right. They have gotten better. But.
1: Um... Hmm. Okay. And, you know, what's, what's interesting, it's kind of hard to, to try to do this without, you know, then narrowing in on the the section, but if you looked at 2009 through 2011, for example, the stock market is actually, if you you could probably say it's it's beat the performance of, of managed futures, but to some extent, this is what we talked about in our show on hedging, that's not unusual for a hedge portfolio in, in you know, in a boom period to underperform some sort of, you know, benchmark. I'm not kind of benchmarking against the S&P unfairly. But uh, at the same time, that's it's avoiding those downturns that you uh, talked about. So I, I think you know people forget about this. They say, well, okay, the S and P outperformed, out- you know, these particular managed futures. That oh, the managed futures aren't as good. But they're not looking at the longer term and what happens when the stock market turns around. That doesn't change the managed futures. So actually, is and by the most interesting period is 2007 through 2009, where you've got the uh, managed futures heading up like crazy and the uh, stock market tanking. So I guess in uh, in hindsight, being 2020, that's where we all should have been.
2: Yeah, but there is a there is something that you guys got to keep in mind. These CTAs are all individuals; they have individual methods. So right. not every one of them did this during the during the crash. You know, there there, there was a a significant amount of them that actually got caught in that and lost money, too. It's just that the overall picture did better. And so that's where we come in. We're trying to balance it and find the people that will be able to do that and the ones that are not just mirroring the stock market. So we're looking for that non-correlation
1: all right key question how much money should uh, an investor and, and, and let me say myself have in managed futures so should it be you know one percent should it be fifty percent uh what what could you tell me to you know kind of some guidance on that
2: well if you go i, I think the next next chart shows that let me take a look study there's a study done thirty year yep. study that okay, went, went back and basically it showed that the most efficient mix was 37% stocks, 37% bonds, 26% managed futures. If you look at that, the highest return was actually, if you'd gone with managed futures, 58%. But that had a little more volatility okay. in your portfolio. A recent update to that study has come out since we've done so well that um, it's it's saying the best mix is now as high as 40%. But uh, I'm, I'm comfortable generally recommending people anywhere from 20 to 30% that's what we
1: generally recommend right, Just... okay that looks like the sweet spot on this curve if if uh you know looking at it. I actually I until we met uh and talked about this a little bit in preparation for the show I had never seen this chart before and again this is the kind of stuff that's frustrating to me because it's available data out there obviously Barclays has has uh you know pulled this together it's not somebody uh doing it to sell a particular uh CTA and uh nobody's ever seen this chart before. That's you know, it's always been the stock and bond mix that we talk about. You know, it should be uh seventy thirty or sixty forty or whatever else. That's that's good for reducing risk. And we've talked about that on the show a number of times, but you know, this is uh this is like really dramatic uh change. I'm sure you, Yeah,
2: excuse me. I I'm sure you discussed that when you were talking about it, but the, the correlations between things, all correlations they change all the time and so what used to be international mm-hmm. stocks used to be a good non-correlated but they're are almost totally correlated now. And so what and that's true of a lot of things. So so what you've got to keep looking for is things the things that are still have no correlation. And the, since these are individual CTAs, some of them have more correlation than others. We have the software where we run each one. And it's not just against the stock market, but basically we want to run it against your your investments to find it okay. and so and to not get too much correlation. That's yeah. part of how we it. Okay.
1: Them. All right, that sounds like a little bit of fun. So uh, all right, this this uh, chart and just to remind our listeners we were on uh, chart number six uh, talking about that uh Uh, That correlation and the the, uh, kind of decrease in the deviation, decrease in risk, therefore, we've talked about that on this show. But let me remind our listeners that just tuned in, you're listening to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. You can listen to the earlier portion on the archive, or if you missed prior shows, you can find them on the archives, wealthdna.us. Today our guest is Tom Foreman of West Pan Associates. We're discussing investing in managed futures. And we just covered some amazing data, um, you know, quite frankly startling, on the performance and risk reduction by adding managed futures to a portfolio. So I'd encourage you, if you haven't pulled up the link in the chat window, there is a link, and I'm going to go back to my chat window, make sure somebody's not asking a question there. Okay, no, we're never okay. But uh, in the chat window, I have sent you the link to the charts. It was also the invitation, so uh, take a look at that, and you'll be able to follow along on the slides as we go through the remainder of the presentation. Okay, Tom. In the old days, and you started to touch on this, but I think this is uh, a, well it's still fairly important. Let me make sure we we, we cover this. Uh, when when you know when I say the old days, you and I were both in school, and and uh, you know we were young and good looking, and uh, Using an investment fund, or as we call them in the U.S. mutual funds, kind of was a way to take the complication out of investing for the average investor. We picked a good investment fund or two or maybe three, and then the fund managers decided what to buy, sell, or hold. Now, when I recently looked at the number of stocks traded out there, and then I compared it to the number of investment funds traded, I'm just looking at U.S. data, so it's even worse on the on the uh, global uh, scale, there are now more investment funds than there are individual stocks, so it 's harder to pick investment funds than individual stocks so the complication idea just went to hell because i can 't find an investment fund in the universe of of ten thousand uh like uh you know where I used to in, in a universe of maybe a hundred or five hundred so today uh you know it would almost look like if i 'm going to use a investment fund, I should have an advisor to tell me which investment. Funds to use is that a good analogy to your role?
2: Yes, it is. What I describe what I am is a managed future specialist. There's there's actually eighteen hundred okay. registered CTAs out there to pick from, mm-hmm. and we we weave through them and 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 actually make deals with with some to reduce expenses to the client. But uh, what we're looking for is. Diversity among our CTAs for one thing. You don't want to just pick, have people that have no correlation to the stock market or the bonds. If you as you're adding a CTA, because the best portfolios you don't say you don't pick one CTA and say I'm putting 26% of my assets with them. You don't. You, you, it's far better to mix it between two or three that have different methods, trade different markets, and have no correlation <laughs> to each other. And so we spend a lot of time. Picking picking the best of those, and and it's easy with the databases to find the best. We're we're generally using utilizing the top one or two percent of traders that have, with their histories. That's what we call it: double diversification, both away from your investments and from other CTAs
1: okay fair fair uh fair term for that and and I guess I would think uh the the, the kind of term that comes to mind is kind of the group think, so if I buy all my investment funds from uh, an actively management uh, mutual fund or investment fund company like uh, T. Rowe Price or, or uh, uh, any of the others, then I tend to get the funds within their families can also have that group think. So they're, they, they'd be correlated because they all are going to the same meetings and talking about the same stocks, and then they all say, hey, you know, that's not a bad stock when I go ahead and add it to my funds? So it turns out you have five funds, and they're all investing pretty much the same way. So uh, what you're saying is you're trying to pick these CTAs so, so they're different from each other they don't they don't think the same way they don't act the same way their performances are are different and and non correlated so i like that i like that uh, double diversification term now and, and we started to talk about this as well but One of those attractions of those investment funds, using my analogy, uh, is they required a very small investment. Somebody could put in, you know, $50 or $100 uh, uh, a week or month uh, and therefore get the benefits of dollar cost averaging. What are the minimum investments for managed futures, and can you gradually add money the way you would with with, uh, investment funds?
2: Okay, this may be the Achilles heel of managed futures and probably why they're off the radar to much of the media. Well, opening commodity account trading accounts not very restrictive and can be done with as little as five thousand dollars and a twenty-five thousand dollar net worth. But most CTAs know that smaller accounts carry more risk. They can't diversify as much. They just can't. They don't have the funds available to utilize the tools that they need to get, get the risk out of it. So mo- that's why their minimums. The ten thousand dollar one that has been very successful is rare, and we haven't had him. For that many years, and we've had other small ones that didn't last. Because, but twenty-five, twenty to to fifty thousand is generally the amount a person would need. But to, to get a, a group of uncorrelated CTAs, you probably need at least that. Mm-hmm. Okay, because as you said, you're going to have to invest
1: in in, in several of them to really fairly. Uh, uh, you know get that diversification so would it be even uh, better to say so what you're saying 10,000 is kind of the minimum of CTA so technically I, if I wanted to have three of them let's say to diversify uh, I'd be looking at least $30,000 to uh, get some meaningful exposure and, and, and not get frustrated by the fact that one of them happened to up- perform, uh the average or something like that
2: well I'm sorry to say it might even be more because although we have 10,000 mm-hmm. most of the rest of them jump up to 20 so you'd need Okay, thirty or fifty or something. I, I also, as far as gradually adding money, it works for some CTA's mm-hmm. and not for others. There's, okay, there's always a minimum level that where they'll say when I'll add another trade. Like if they're having four positions of gold, they're going to be a certain amount of money before they'll add five. So you have to mm-hmm. keep track of that because you could just be putting money there and it just lays there until they get to that level. That's something that's kind of an individual basis. But generally, Mm -hmm. $500 don't matter. It needs to be in several thousand-dollar increments to be worthwhile.
1: To be worthwhile so that they can actually do something with it, understand? Correct. So I think this is probably one of the key points as to why they're not discussed in kind of the broad-based management money articles. But then again, when you look at people's IRAs, you look at people's uh, portfolios, I mean, it's very rare that – uh true investors would have less than that money invested. It's just that they might think of well I already have uh four hundred thousand invested in stocks, I don't have anything available to invest in, in uh in, in futures. They're they're thinking of additional as opposed to uh uh you know as opposed to their total portfolio and, and taking out twenty to thirty percent as you said.
2: Right. Right. And That's so, what I
1: I was gonna say hedge funds are somewhat similar, there's a lot of news about hedge funds because of you know various scandals and stuff. Uh but uh therefore the uh the minimum's fairly similar on hedge funds and on uh, on uh managed futures.
2: It's a it's a lot higher for for hedge funds. Most hedge funds are at least five hundred thousand to several million minimum. So so you know, it's significantly lower for managed futures.
1: But okay, and that's one of the topics I want to, I want to try to find a hedge fund manager. Uh, I have. I know one over in Europe, and I don't know one here uh, domestically, but I might get him on to, uh, uh, to talk about hedge funds. We just touched on it, that hedging, but it's uh, it's another uh, universe, at least what, like our listeners to be aware of, whether or not they take advantage of it is a different story, but at least they need to understand what it is that uh, people complain about in the media. But, okay, with... Trading individual stocks or ETFs as as I do, uh, you know, basically I can do that. Uh, log into my brokerage site or or into if I'm doing an investment fund into that uh, investment fund company's site. Can I log on to a CTA's uh, website and add a redeemer of funds or how is that done? Is that done through you? Uh, tell us a little bit about how that process looks uh, after we've opened an account.
2: Yeah, actually, actually you can log in. It's Vision. has an InVision, a site for customer accounts, which, of course, there's a link to from my web page. But uh, they're the ones that keep that up. That's where you can see every It's day. It's, it's got your, got all your positions, got your net liquidity, got how much margin is being used, and basically all the information. You can even go, go back and see your 1099s and your past performance in that account, everything there. As far as redeeming funds... They are liquid, but the, the way it's generally done is you call me, your caller, call, call or email your broker, and then we mm-hmm. we re- request the funds. Which if they have to close out positions, they'll do it like the next day, and then the funds can be wired with, within two or three days. So, and that's the difference between that. That's another big difference between hedge funds. I forgot to mention is that you are liquid with managed futures, and a lot of hedge funds have lockup periods of maybe a year sure. or two. So that's okay. significantly different.
1: Well, that is that's a huge difference and I I didn't even think to ask that question. Now, in in prior conversations, you also talked about uh part of your role as you you provide a trading platform. Now, is that trading platform used by the CTAs or is that used for other purposes?
2: It's used for other purposes, that. The CTAs they have their own trading platform and and basically it goes on their their orders are placed directly to Vision uh, and credited to us as the broker, and so we're not having to actually touch them. But uh, mm-hmm. this is a holdover from the days. Our disc- this discount offering. All these platforms are for the people that are wanting to trade on their own. They're the they're the the wannabe CTAs They want to want to get themselves into to the good enough position where they can be one of them. And uh, gotcha. It's uh, we offer discount trading there. It goes back from the days of, of full service brokerage, but. Uh, if you're interested in looking at that, most of these different platforms, and there are several, have got free trials and lots of information about them. You can look at it. It's a cheap way to get in and learn about the markets. But i got to say I don't mis- recommend it to, unless you're a sophisticated trader because you often hear these figures, which I think's overstated. But they say 90% of people dabbling in commodity markets lose money. Well, guess who they're talking about? They're talking about the guy sure. that goes in. And those those guys, it. not
1: necessarily the professionals.
2: You know, and understand. the corollary understand. of this is, don't forget, that means ten percent's taking that money, and our, and that's who we're getting with. We're we're trying to get with the top one or two percent. So we're spending our time and knowledge to find them, rather than trying to get on here and trade ourselves. Which believe me, I used to do that. It gave me a big education, so it helps me in picking. My managed futures specialist, my CTAs, but uh, I don't even bother to trade myself anymore because this is such so much better way.
1: Okay, and I'm I'm just looking ahead here. You've got a chart here on what drives uh, ROI, uh, return on investment. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you're getting at here. With uh, uh, with the, this is something the CTA is probably familiar with and what he's dealing with, correct?
2: Yeah, I'm trying to say this is. Is why um, how how CTA's develop their programs and and partly how we pick them and and the, and the way you know all markets are cyclical. This is true. I don't care whether you're looking at the stock market, you're looking at the grain market, you're looking at the housing market. This this they go through these market these things. This contraction, yep. trough, expansion. That's human psychology. Whenever your neighbors are all telling you how much money they're making in real estate and and then a year or two later, they're still doing it. Well, you decide it's finally time to get on board. And you do, and that's when you hit the peak. And then first off, you think it's, well, that's not, you know, this is just a short phase, and then more and more lose. And you go in there and you go to the trough. So what you've got to do, you've got to have different methods of trading depending on where you're at in that cycle. Mm-hmm. and And everything, when you're across all these markets, where the grains are at or where the currencies are at, where they are in the cycle is a different time, a different place all the time, and so the way it's not good enough to just look when we're looking for CTAs to say, well, they've got a five-year record or a three-year record or a two-year record or a ten-year record. You've got to look at what markets, cyclical parts of the market have they gone through? Gotcha. Sure, they make money during their best time when there's, but how did they do? during the tough times because some systems, some traders are going to make money in bull markets. Some of them are actually going to make their most money during flat markets and then they're at risk of losing during the big market. So Mm
3: -hmm. I'm just
2: showing that to say this is why we can trade in all the markets and you find the CTA is doing because every market is susceptible to this and it's because it's human nature. It's there. We're not going to change it.
1: Okay. And I know you do an awful lot of reading, and I'd rather rely on you to have researched all of those CTAs and, and um, you know, their performance and all. So if I were a new client of yours, I wanted to give this a try, but I, but I said, look, uh, Tom, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put too much in all at once. Let's say I'll put in fifty or $60,000 until I get a better feel for how the process works, the fees, the performance, potential losses, etc. What fund alternatives might you suggest uh, that I consider?
2: Uh, I put together the next chart. I just did a quick thing, like a, a, among three CTA or three programs. Okay. One's an ACE synergy mm-hmm. program. That's chart number
1: eight, by the way, listeners. Mm-hmm.
2: And that uh, if I know we're running out of time, but if you can just quickly mm-hmm. scroll down to the net, well, you can see the chart there first, where mm-hmm. the blue line is what those two would have done together. And keep in mind, this was from, I started this when all the programs were all started, which was in November of '08, But. Uh, as you can see, the performance there, but, but keep in mind, this was during a period when the stock market was doing very, very That's well. very well. And, Correct. Uh, good point. Yeah, we still, managed, we still managed to perform. And and what I'm saying is when it turns around and goes the other direction, we think we'll be well positioned. If you drop down the next page, the numbers I like to look at are co- the compound rate of return, which in this case was 19%, and then they go the best 24, worst 24-month 24 period. Those are always a good month period because you need to think of any investment like this for at least two years, and then finally the right. sharp index and the Calmar ratio, which you want those numbers to be higher. And then if you'll go over to the worst drawdown, in this case was 12 percent, and then the recovery. How long did it take to get that 12 percent drawdown? Which, if you look up above at the month that happened, was significant. But um, but on the other hand, that was of August of '11. See, so they made that 12 percent. But look at that. That let them come back within three months, and we're making new equity highs. So,
3: mm-hmm. this, it's mm-hmm. just we
2: can put together with, a, with various CTAs, and and get a good mix where you can, we feel like get good performance. I got to put the disclaimer in: past performance not it's not necessarily indicative of future results because I talked about returned.
1: Okay, excellent. Now, this is this is very helpful. As a matter of fact, let me put that twelve percent in perspective. Uh, during that time period, we usually expect one to 10 percent drops in the stock market. So, if twelve percent is the worst, uh, and ten percent would be typical in the stock market, I would say that is uh, pretty darn good. Um, and again, we we may see a, a much bigger drop in the stock market. We're saying if that that's the worst, and yet for the most part, it has outperformed. So that that does look uh... Pretty convincing, pretty convincing it indeed. Now, I saw a term in here somewhere. Let me just yeah, I know the these definitions I would take a look at later on, but I didn't see it defined for some reason. I saw a VAMI and I thought that was on the first chart or on the second chart. Oh yeah, it's on the uh, on that chart before chart number eight. A VAMI of thousand of dollar invested. Can you give a, a brief definition of what uh, that uh, VAMI is?
2: It's value-added monthly index. How it's calculated is you take last month plus the current rate of return. So if you had a thousand dollars this month and you make over. okay, and ten
3: gotcha. percent
2: return, you'd have eleven $1, hundred next month. Thank So what it what it does is it it creates a compounding number. It's a compounding number that compounds either your either your wins or your losses. If if a month's a down a, a down month, it's going to take that and that amount off of it, and uh, that's why it's so hard if you have a big drawdown like you saw over there in that first mm-hmm. S&P chart, that's so why it's so hard to recover from, because when you pull down, you may have, if you pull down 20%, and to get to gain that back, you've got to make twice as much, because you're starting from a right. lower level
1: correct and yeah, most people don't understand that way and we, we try to cover those things and give people the numerical examples on the show but you know, i think this this chart kind of real you know says it says it pretty well that in a very short period of time it's been pulling well ahead of a very good stock market during this time period most of us realize this is an unusually good st- stock market okay now we covered a lot today tom are there some key aspects you'd like to share with us in the last couple, couple minutes we have left
0: Tom, seems to have
1: dropped again. Uh, oh, oh, there we go. Okay. All right. So the the, the the last question I was going to ask Tom, so why don't we uh, go ahead and wrap up here. I was going to ask him if he'd come back on the show in the future, and I'll talk to him about that, maybe do a part two where we would uh, assume you've heard this part and you understand what uh, what they're all about and have him then uh, carry through and we talk about some specific performance and Clients' cases and some liquidity issues, switching, those kinds of things. Uh, but, um, well, well, I wish we were here uh, at the moment, but uh, well, let's thank Tom for, for uh, educating us, uh, inspiring us with some really impressive numbers and uh, statistics on the um, uh, reduction in, in standard deviation. As all of you know, that means risk. Uh, and, and, and I'm sure most listeners have never heard of these things before. Okay, let me summarize. Uh in less than an hour, we've covered a pretty good overview of Managed Futures. We lost a little bit of time because of the, uh, the phone connections, uh, but that compared to being in the middle of a storm sure beats, uh, uh, you know, I'll stick with the connection problem. And you hopefully see another reason to listen to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. You get to hear about investment strategies used by wealthy people to stay wealthy. It turns out these are actually available to most of us. Now, the first key point I hope you got from this show is managed futures are somewhat like self-directed IRAs, direct investment in real estate, private mortgage loans. They're all part of the 2% club, as I call them. We'll never hear banks or Wall Street firms proposing them, and each of us uh, have a great opportunity to use them to diversify our portfolio. Now, there's a second key point that... uh, a number of alternative investments have high returns and, and uh, by themselves are fairly risky. And uh, Tom appropriately included his uh, disclosure several times. When they're combined with traditional portfolio of stocks and bonds, real estate and portfolio mortgage loans, they actually decrease the variability in a great chart on that, uh, making that point. So remember, variability is risk. And the chart sure helped me visualize that it decreases. Tom's back on the 30 line. Okay. Well, Tom, I wanted to, above all, thank you. And uh, the, the the question when you just dropped off was whether you had any other key aspect you wanted to share with us, uh, before, uh, before we did end the show. Well, he's on again, off again. All right. Well, let's, let's keep moving. Let me just go ahead and wrap up as we are, we are out of town time here. Um, That uh, oh third key point I wanted to mention is the more complicated investments like managed futures require us to rely on experts. I don't know about you, but uh, I feel Tom Foreman knows what he's talking about. He's got lots of years of experience, and he convinced me to add managed futures to my portfolio. So looking at these numbers, looking at his experience with this, uh, I feel comfortable, and I'm going to go ahead and as soon as I get my transition between brokerage firms, uh, I'm going to go ahead and get started on managed futures. Now, I've shared with you on recent shows uh, that the next major move in the equity markets could indeed be down. Now, whether or not the last two weeks are part of that move, I don't know yet. But in addition to my short positions, private mortgage loans that I use to, to gain and earn money during these declines, managed futures could provide just the right diversification if indeed the equity markets do indeed go down for a while. So if uh, you weren't familiar with Managed Futures, then obviously you were in the right place at the right time. Uh, this is uh, the, the Wealth DNA Show. And remember what the N stands for in Wealth DNA. It stands for knowledge or knowledge, if you prefer. Remember, um, Tom Foreman nor I would be comfortable recommending that you invest in Managed Futures without knowing your financial needs. But we can safely say that a diversified portfolio performs better in the long term, than a portfolio concentrated in any one thing. Could be cash, could be bonds, could be stock. Always diversification will perform better. It's actually one of the commandments coming up. And of course, I should mention uh, very importantly, a good way to increase your return, lower your risk, is to tune into this show twice a month. We'll share the investment fundamentals, share some great ideas, as we did today, inspire you to be as wealthy as you want to be. The next Wealth DNA Radio show is the second Monday of November. Yes, really the second. That's Monday, November 12th at 9 a.m. Arizona time. Same place and same time in Arizona. But if you change your clock back between now and the next show, then tune in one hour earlier than today. And this time, I have double-checked my calendar. The second Monday of November is indeed the 12th. And remember, the archives of past shows and this one are available on WealthDNA.us. If you have some questions uh, or suggestions, or if you haven't received my emails, just send an email to me, ron at WealthDNA.us. I'll keep you posted about future shows and events. And by the way, the next show on the Boomer and the Babe Network sounds very interesting. It's at 11 a.m. in Arizona. It's Tom Griesel on uh, Turbocharged Recipes. If you've tried dieting and you have limited results with that, this may just be the show for you. Tune in at 11 o'clock. See you in November. Keep improving your Wealth DNA. Happy investing.
0: You've been listening to Wealth DNA with Ron Naraki on Arizona Boomer Radio. Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com. To reach the Boomer and the Babe, email host at boomerandthebabe.com or friend them on facebook.com slash boomerandbabe. And on Blog Talk, you can friend them at blogtalkradio.com slash boomerandbabe. Follow their tweets at twitter.com slash boomerandbabe. Be sure to make the second half of your life the best half of your life. And remember, at 50, you're just getting started.